Now on News Talk, as part of our spring season of Drama on News Talk, producer Brian Gallagher explores the colourful world of professional soccer in his radio play, Midfielder. And it's still two all in the second minute of added time. Rovers needing to win by one goal to avoid relegation. And Crawford kicks out. One in midfield by Tommy Hopkins. Hopkins lofts a high ball down the wing for what must surely be Rovers' last attack. And Merrick! Len Merrick gathers on the touchline. Oh, he beats his man. He slips inside Hobbs, slots a pass forward. And now Murray, young Billy Murray, made a great run to gather Merrick's pass. Takes the ball at full pace. He's through the defenders. Only the keeper to beat. He moves the ball onto his right foot. I moved the ball onto my right foot. And when the keeper came off his line, I had to decide. Buried in the net or deliberately shoot for a save. Buried in the net or shoot for a save. What a decision that was. And who'd have thought it would ever come to that? Nearly 40 years ago now, and it's still as clear as yesterday. Though it could have been 100 years ago, things were so different then. Young players today earn a fortune. Drive fancy cars, live in penthouse apartments. We lived in digs and served our time the hard way. But we still thought we were lucky. And it all seemed so exciting at the start, when the scout came after me. You don't understand, Ma. What don't I understand? Talking to the manager isn't the same as talking to the talent scout. And that was bad enough. What was wrong with us? Ah, Ma, telling him I was an altar boy. I wanted him to know you're from a good Catholic home. They're looking for a midfielder, not a saint. I just worry about you, Billy. Over there, all on your own. I look after myself. And I'll study too. There's nothing to worry about. And please, when the manager rings, don't tell him every single worry, OK? All right, Billy, I won't. But of course, she did. And do you mind me asking, Mr Ellis, are you a family man yourself? Ah, well then, you'll understand... Oh, yes, I know that. But you see, Billy has never been away before. Well, apart from Wales with the Scouts. Oh, no. Oh, no, please. And, of course, he was very homesick that time. Very homesick. And, you see, no matter what I say, he won't watch what he eats. Go on. Go the whole hog. Tell him about the constipation. So, of course, he got very constipated. He was in an awful state. Oh, Jesus. So you can understand why I'm worried about letting him go. Oh, I know that, I know. But you see, the way I look at it... She went on like that till I wanted to die. Everything from roughage in the diet to was the digs near a church. But in the end, I still went. Good passengers travelling to Frankfurt, please go immediately to gate 7. Passengers of Frankfurt to gate 7. The funny thing was that despite all the excitement... When I got off the plane in Leeds, I suddenly felt a little insecure. All right, let's be honest. I got homesick. I had to hang around the airport waiting for the first bus. And to take my mind off things, I started to look at the maps. And the names were all so familiar with our football teams. Bolton, Wanderers, Blackburn, Rovers, Halifax, Huddersfield, Burnley, Sheffield. It brought me back to Saturday afternoons when I was a kid. My father was alive then and I'd listen as the names were called out and he filled in the football pools. Brought me right back. And the funny thing is that it didn't make me sad. Made me sort of proud. Coming over here as a professional footballer is something he'd have loved for me. And besides, how could anyone stay homesick with Mrs Knightley to look after them? Right, this is your room. Bathroom's across landing. 
You'll not be running hot water morning, noon and night, I hope. Not with price of electricity these days. Er, uh, no. Right, in we go. It may not be the Dorchester, but it's a clean room and a well-run house, and I expect my guests to respect that. So no blaring music, no entertaining members of the opposite sex at night, no muddy feet in all, no slamming doors, and no chips or similar in room. Would it be okay to look out the window? Beg pardon? Er, uh, I'll put my books by the window. All these books? I hope you'll not have bedside lamp burning half the night. I'll try to read in daylight. I should think. If I wanted lights on half the night, I could take in commercial travellers. Now, breakfast is eight to nine. No serving after nine under any circumstances. Dinner's put on table at six sharp, whether you're there or not's up to you. I'll be there. Right. Fire door on landing. This way, please. Fire door must be kept shut at all times. Unless there's a blaze, Mrs Kay. In which case we may temporarily open it to save our lives. Rent is payable every Friday. Any reason you're missing Friday, you pay on Thursday. Well, I'll leave you to settle in. Thank you. Welcome to Stalagluff 17. I'm Mike Woods, but everyone calls me Woodsy. I take it you're my new colleague in the glamorous world of football. Billy Murray. Cheers, Billy. First time playing pro? Yeah. You love it. Hope so. Is a... Uh... Is the landlady always like that? Consultant to the bleeding Gestapo, she is. The club thinks she's a steadying influence for young players. The fact she's like Scrooge's mum doesn't bother our lord and master, Harry Ellis. What's he like as a manager? He's a dimwit, isn't he? Really? Afraid so. Here, slip over to my room when you're unpacked. Number seven. We'll have a beer and I'll mark your cards. You'll see Harry in action tomorrow anyway. See him in all his bleeding glory. Right. If I could have your attention, lads. I said if I could have your attention. That meant everyone, even you, Tommy. Thank you. Right then. First day of the new season. We've got a new lad here from Ireland, Billy Murray. You're welcome, son. Thank you. Graft hard, Billy, and you'll do well here. We don't go for clever dick stuff here in Rovers. You won't see Psycho taking the ball on his knee or trying fancy back passes. But we know the game and we know our strengths. Now, last season, we ended in the bottom third of the league. I can tell you that won't happen this year. We're going to play to our strengths this time and we're going to win. It's a funny old game, this. You smirking, Woodsy? No, boss. Right, then. What did I tell you, Billy? Bullshit artist. He'll hear you. That's the coaching. Don and I have worked very hard over the close season. We've got a new training programme that'll give you every chance to go out and win. Got it, Max, Billy? Yeah. You'll like this. Well, it's up to all of you to give 110%, and I know that you will. Right, Don wants to say a few words. A few words from Don? <laughs> Poor Don could never use two words when ten would do as well. His claim to fame as a player was he was once sent off for fouling George Best, and he wasn't much better as a coach. But what he lacked in coaching skills, he made up for in catchphrases. We've got to generate enthusiasm, lads, and then channel it correctly. We've got to identify our weaknesses and play to our strengths. And we've got to get men behind the ball when we're attacking and get them back when we're defending. Put you to sleep, wouldn't he? Even as a green 19-year-old, I reckoned Don was a bit of an idiot. But back then, it was all still novel, exciting. And I started to get to know the team. There was the keeper, Nick, Phil, Scotty, who spent hours talking about home brewing. Mark, psycho, who'd broken two players' legs the previous season. And then there was Alan, Fred, Len, who Woodsy claimed was the meanest man in Britain. Darren, Moses and Terry. 
They were a colourful bunch. And right now the team hadn't been picked and everyone was in good form, hopeful for the coming season and ready to start training. Come on, lads. Come on, knees up. Let's keep them legs pumping. Pump, pump, pump. And down. Press up. One, two, three. Come on, Len. All the way down. That's it. Four. Back straight, Woodsy. Five. Six. Come on, Billy. Stay with it, lads. Seven. Build up your stamina. Eight. Nine. Ten. All right, lads. Quick breather. Then the 50-yard sprint. God, I'm knackered. Didn't train like this in Dublin, eh? Tip from Uncle Woody, right? Yeah. Don't go all out in the sprints. Why not? Because this is only week one. Next week, they'll want an improvement on your time. In Don's system, it's not how fast you run, but that is training is making you faster. Get my meaning? Yeah. Thanks, Woodsy. My pleasure, chum. Right, lads, gather round. Sprint time. I hadn't been kidding when I said I was knackered, but it was satisfying all the same. And we finished up with a good seven aside. At least it was still good till Harry pulled me aside after it. Well played, son. Well played. Thanks. You'll be a good midfielder, but you've got to remember, don't dwell on the ball, lad. Take it. Use it and get on with it. Don't dwell on it. But... But what? It's the way I play. In the park, impressing your mates or in the junior league, but not when you're a professional. Otherwise, well done, son. Keep it up. And that was the beginning of my clashes with Harry. The first day of training. But it was only a small worry at the start and as time went on, I settled in. I played a couple of games with the reserves and I felt I did well. But more importantly, I studied the first team midfielders really carefully and I felt my time would come sooner or later. Well played, lads. Well played. Nice work, Billy. Keep it up. Thanks, boss. Thanks, me eye. Three months later and I was still in the reserves. Oh, the boss said lots of encouraging things when he wasn't telling me to hoof the ball and stop dollying with it. And so, between bouts of homesickness and Harry's approach, I was feeling a bit down. And then there was Mrs Knightley. Now, look here, Mr Murray. I've been taking guests for a long time and always operate the same. Central eating comes on third week in November. But the house is freezing. Fires lit in sitting room every night. But during the day? <laughs> it's not my fault if you have a job with odd hours. Can't be running up fuel bills morning, noon and night because you lads have time on your hands. And we had, you see. With afternoons off, the lads spent a lot of time in the pool hall. But three days a week, I did my bookkeeping studies in Mrs Knightley's sitting room, or frostbite folly, as Woodsy called it. And then, just as I was feeling cold and discouraged and homesick, suddenly, I got my chance. Billy, a word in your ear. Blend's done his hamstring. I'm putting you in next Saturday against Preston. Oh, well, I'll try my very best, boss. I know you will, son. Don't be overawed. Don't do any fanning about. Just get stuck in, right? Yeah, right, boss. Thanks. Thanks very much. It was great. And I couldn't wait to tell Woodsy. Congrats, Billy. In the first team now, eh? Yeah, I'm delighted. Sorry about Len, of course. The Manchester miser. Save your tears, mate. He wouldn't shed any for you. Believe me. Of course, 
Don had some advice too. Right, Billy, this is your big day. We're having a good league run, so the boss is taking a chance, putting you in ahead of Mark or Kenny. Don't let him down. 100% commitment, son. No frills. Remember what I said about running off the ball, and good luck. Right, lads, that's about it. We can well beat Preston today, but I don't want to see the kind of clever dick stuff I saw against Swindon. If I wanted to see Swan Lake, I'd go to the theatre. He wouldn't know Swan Lake if he was bleeding drowning in it. Just go out there and win. And we did. It was the beginning of the really good times. Len was out for months, had to have an operation, and I held his place. I was playing well, even scored a few important goals. Of course, Harry was still after me to play more of the boot and rush style. I don't want to hear about playing with vision, Billy. If I want vision, I'll give you binoculars. When you get to the ball, you knock it up quickly to goal mount for Dosh and Eric. But still, he was picking me every week and we were in the top half of the league. Things were going so well, I didn't even mind too much not getting home for Christmas. Mind you, Ma didn't see it the same way when I rang her. Care if everyone does it, Billy. It doesn't seem right playing football on Christmas Day. We train on Christmas Day, play on Stephen's Day. They'll be turning you into a right pagan. I hope you'll have time off for Mass. Yeah, it's all set up. I don't mean to nag, Billy. It's just, well, we'll all really miss you. I'll miss you too, Ma. And I did. I missed all the family. And yet myself and Woodsy had a great Christmas. And then around the middle of January, the bubble burst. At that stage, we were mid-table. Then, for some reason, we got really hammered in three games in a row. And when I thought about it, I realised that for once, Don was singing the right tune. There isn't full commitment, lads. Not giving 100%. We've got to be absolutely committed. It's funny how the crowd and even the press don't know exactly what's going on out in the pitch. But I could see it all right. Take Psycho. Despite his bone-crunching tackles, he didn't really pull his weight. It looked like he'd die for the club the way he put himself about. But alongside him, he realised that he was a bit of a con. And when our backs were against the wall, he hadn't the character to dig really deep. The problem was that even though other players, and probably Harry, sensed it, nobody wanted to acknowledge it. So what was the answer? Find a scapegoat. And Muggins, running himself silly and getting nowhere, was the candidate. Billy. A word to the wise from Woodsy. Yeah? We're losing the game in midfield, and when some of the lads are muttering, saying you're being run ragged... God, Woodsy, I'm covering left, right and centre. I know what's happening, mate, but that won't be addressed. The blokes involved are too established. Your problem is you're too honest. Committing yourself to tackle someone else should be making, and then getting beaten because you've too much ground to cover. So what do I do? Be less willing and more crafty. Don't try and plug gaps left by others. If I ease off and concentrate on looking good, we'll be hammered even more. Being hammered anyway, mate. Why should you take the rap? Besides, the tide might turn. It happens. But it didn't happen for us. And I couldn't follow Woodsy's advice. It wasn't my game. I suppose it wasn't in my nature. Then we had two more defeats and the supporters lost patience. I'd never encountered home fans chanting abuse before. And after they started calling my name in an obscene chant, Harry took me aside. I'm leaving you out for a while, lad. You need resting. I've no fitness problem, boss. Don will confirm that. I don't need anything confirmed. You need a break, son. You're having one. And in a way, I was almost glad. It had really hurt hearing myself being jeered and catcalled, but it was still a blow going back to the reserves. Meanwhile, our bad run continued and we were sliding right down the league table. I got named as a sub a few times, then due to a spate of injuries I played against Millwall in early March. 
hammered again. More obscene chance, and immediately dropped again. More graft and then with the reserves in exotic locations like Hull, Luton, West Brom. Harry blustered about getting stuck in and not over-elaborating. And Don gave all the players what was supposed to be a pep talk. You're being selfish, lads. I don't like having to say this, but I must. You're letting yourselves down and you're letting Harry down. Now, I've heard rumbling. No use denying it. I have wrong tactics. Not enough cash to buy strength in depth. But you, lads, you don't know the half of it. Harry's weighed down with responsibilities. Weighed down by his salary, more like. He's flogging himself for this club. Give yourself a lash, Harry. Your manager is hounded by the board, hounded by the accounts people, hounded by the press. Hounded by the Baskerville. Shut up. He's going to non-league matches to try to get new players cheap. And what does he want in return? Nothing. Nothing except your 100% commitment. Oh, not again. So don't let him down, lads. Don't let yourself down. Go out tomorrow and get three points. But all we got was a bad ankle strain for Woodsy. And when he recovered a couple of weeks later, Harry kept Chalky in at full back. Harsh words were spoken. And the upshot of it all was that Woodsy applied for a transfer after Harry told him he couldn't count on first-team football. It meant that for a few weeks, Woodsy and I played together in the reserves. And that's when it happened. I made all the wet nights in Swindon and Carlisle seem worth it when I was spotted by another club. I'll tell you straight, Billy, this transfer's not really on. Let's be honest, Mr Ellis. I'm not your type of player. My style of play, you've said it often enough, it's too fancy. So maybe it would be better for both of us if I transferred. We'd like to facilitate you some, but what can I do? Couldn't you lower my price? It seems very high considering what you paid for me. Green youngster then, weren't you? Now you've had a season as a pro in a good club. It's still an awful lot. Couldn't you meet them halfway? Sorry, lad. Strapped for cash at the moment. Of course, if you're really unsettled, you can apply in writing for a transfer. Think about it any roads. We'll talk again. Miserable bugger. Know what he's up to, don't you? Trying to force a written request so he can keep my percentage of the fee. That's his game. Old Larry Wheeler bleating dealer. Be better off out of this place, though. Both of us. We're not out yet. We will be, sunshine. We will be. And we were. But not before Harry had his way on the transfer fees. And even then, he did so much messing and brinkmanship that the deal might easily have fallen through. In the end, though, Woodsy transferred the final week of the season. My deal was nailed down too. And I was to move immediately after the last match. It was a crucial game because we were on the brink of relegation. But I knew there was no way Harry would play me. Until the food poisoning. Come in, lad, come in. Last days with Rovers, eh? Yeah. Heard about Mark and Kenny? No. Down with food poisoning. Ate duff bloody kebabs last night. So I'm playing you today. Have to win to avoid relegation, so there'll be a lot of interest in the game. Chance for you to go out on a high note. Okay. Okay. Is that all you've got to say? What else is there to say? I'm a Rovers player till Monday morning. No, lad, no, lad. All right, we've had our differences. You could say that. I know you think I've been a bit hard. Not so much hard as unfair. Unfair? Harry Ellis, unfair? You bought me and then you wouldn't let me do what I'm best at. Then you manoeuvred me into applying for a transfer and when I did, you nearly scuppered the deal trying to squeeze every extra ounce out of it. Being a manager isn't easy, Sonny. Neither is being a player sometimes. Well, you're still a Rovers player. Still drawing your wages here, so you owe it to the club and your teammates and your pride, if you have any, to give it your all. I always gave my all. It was my undoing at this club. Harry was right about one thing. The atmosphere at that match was electric. 
and in spite of everything, I found myself caught up in the thing. I was giving my all for Rovers, but we needed a win. And as the match went into injury time, it was still one all. I just made a 30-yard run to take a pass from Chalky, but he'd overhit it, and their full back beat me to it. Suddenly, Harry was on his feet, roaring. I looked across at this overweight, overpaid twit with a fat cigar in his hand, shouting abuse at me after I'd run my heart out. My blood absolutely boiled. But then our keeper gathered the ball and quickly kicked out. Tommy won it. And on instinct, I made another run off the ball. Young Billy Murray's made a great run to gather Merrick's pass. He takes the ball at full pace. Oh, he's through the defenders. Only the keeper to beat. He moves the ball onto his right foot. I'd run purely on instinct. But I was still mad at Harry. I knew if I scored, I'd be saving his bacon. But if I didn't, the team would be relegated. Time seemed to stand still as the opposing thoughts ran through my brain. Bury it in the net or shoot for a save. Bury it in the net or shoot for a save. I swung to the right, started to draw my foot back to shoot, and as I did, the whistle blew for full time. Without breaking stride, I put the ball in the back of the net, knowing as I did that it counted for nothing. Pandemonium broke out. Relegation had arrived, and I played my last match for Rovers. That night, I had a few drinks with Woodsy, and we toasted our new careers and promised to keep in touch. Sunday was my last night in the digs, and Mrs Knightley was a usual soft-hearted self when I left next morning. Well, good luck in your new job. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've beds to make. And I'll miss you too, Mrs Kay. On to the club then. Said goodbye to the lads. Shook hands with Don. Keep your enthusiasm, lad. Hold on to that. Enthusiasm and commitment. That's the ticket. Thanks, Don. Boss is in the office. He has your papers there. OK. Oh, it's you. I believe you have my papers, Mr Ellis. Yeah, in the envelope there. Thank you. You know why we've been relegated, don't you? Because we didn't get enough points. We would have, if you'd have been faster on that last ball. Two seconds faster from you, we wouldn't be dropping a bloody division. I could have said we lost it over the whole season, but I didn't. I just walked to the door and opened it. Then I turned and faced them. Yeah, two more seconds. Funny old game, isn't it? What? Like you've always said. Funny old game. But if I thought I was shut of Harry Ellis, I was wrong. Very wrong. You're listening to Midfielder on News Talk 106 to 108. It all started on a freezing Saturday in March. We'd just gone six matches in a row without a win, dropping from the top to mid-table. The manager had been sacked four days previously, and now we were involved in a do-or-die local derby. The good news today was I was having a really good match. And at nil all and five minutes to go, I made, well, let's have no false modesty, I made a killer pass that split their defence wide open. Oh, it's a beautiful through ball from Billy Murray. Wilson spins down the wing, gathers the ball, looks for support, and Billy Murray's made a good run off the ball. Murray calls for the pass. Wilson curves it ahead of him. Murray controls it. Oh, he beats the fullback. The keeper comes off the line. Murray shoots. Oh, it's a goal! It's a goal! Billy Murray gives City the lead. First an inch perfect pass, and then a clinical finish. And this is certainly the best performance City have given in some time, driven in no small part by Murray's midfield performance. We went on to win the game comfortably after that. 
I felt things were really going my way when I heard that the Irish assistant manager was at the match. Because if ever there was a game that might propel me into the Ireland squad, this was surely it. Woodsy and I had ended up together again at City. And he was the bearer of the glad tidings. Billy, a word in your ear, mate. On the day that's in at Woodsy, you can have a word in both my ears. Have you heard? A new manager's been appointed. Yeah? Guess who? Uh, Padre Peel. Try Harry Ellis. You're not winding me up. Scout's on her, mate. Mr Cliché himself. Appointed today, starts work on Monday morning. If the fates had decided to burst my bubble, they couldn't have done it any better. But now, on the roundabout of transfers, sackings and hirings, we'd all been thrown together again. For bonus points, guess who's come with him as a coach? Oh, God, don't say it's Don. Who else? Couldn't have Laurel without Hardy, could you? Even as we speak, Don's probably celebrating by buying a new anorak and the latest copy of Railways Illustrated. The news didn't quite offset my joy at getting man of the match, but it came close, especially the nearer we got to Monday. Right, I won't beat about the bush. That's not Harry Ellis's style, as those of you who've played for me before will know. Now, some of you may be feeling a bit nervous, but with a new manager and coach installed. Well, let me just say to anyone feeling that way, you're right, you've plenty to feel nervous about. One win in the last seven bloody games from a team that earlier were top of the table... I'll tell you here and now, that's going to change. Change radically. Or Don and I will know the reason why. Radical change, lads. Radical change. A team doesn't suddenly lose ability over a few months. No. A team dropping six games in a row is a team that's lost its commitment. Commitment, lads. That's the key. So anyone who wants to play for City while I'm manager had better have one thing above everything else. He'd better have 110% commitment. 110% or more. Because City can still make the first division. I know there's some footballing talent here. I wouldn't have taken this job otherwise. Now, you may have heard that I'm a hard manager. Well, it's true. I am hard. But I'm also fair. The nearest he came to being fair was when he dyed his hair. Shut up, he'll hear you. Hard but fair, lads. Hard but fair. So if you play ball with me and give me a full commitment, I'll play ball with you. And give you a load of bullshit. Have you something to say, Woodsy? Eh? No. No, boss. Good. You've been eating your breath for the revised training programme. Oh, God. So if you lads give your all in terms of commitment, Don and I will give our all in terms of expertise. Which should have taken about a nanosecond in Don's case. But this was his big moment, and Don was determined to get every laborious ounce out of it. Tactical awareness, lads. Tactical awareness means not allowing the opposition to impose their game on you, but rather imposing your game on them. It means preparing before the game, adjusting during the game, analysing after the game, and above all... And then, after Harry and Don had given their all-purpose would-be... Harry said he wanted a ward in his office. Yeah, have a seat, lad. Thanks. Right, then. You've probably been wondering how things stand between us. Didn't pardon the best of terms at Rovers. No. Nonetheless, Harry Ellis isn't a man to bear a grudge. What's past is past, so I won't hold it against you now. Really? I'd have to say you don't sound very grateful. Grateful? Aye, grateful. I'm willing to let bygones be bygones. That's big of you. Oh, I see. Four years on and you've gotten a bit big for your boots, eh? No, size 10, still fits. Don't play the clever dick with me, son. I'll not take it from you or any player. Look, Mr Ellis, when you brought me in at Rovers, I played my heart out for you. That's your bloody job, isn't it? It is. 
but you didn't like my playing. Too fancy, not enough hoofing of the ball forward. Soccer is a simple game, to be played simply and directly. You're entitled to that view. Oh, am I? Oh, thank you very bloody much. But even though you didn't want me in the team, you nearly scuppered my transfer with brinkmanship and messing over the fee. All right. All right. Look, I didn't ask you in here to open all wounds. The fact is, this club could be playing in the first division next season. I agree with you there. And in fairness, you've played your part before the team took a wobble over the last few weeks. The lads know they've let themselves down. They haven't all, but they'll not be doing it any longer. The team I pick on Saturday will go out with fire in their bellies or I'll know the reason why. Any roads, what I wanted to say to you was that the past is history. The future starts today and you can be part of it if I have your full commitment. Fair enough. You will have my full commitment. Right, lads, gather round. Put that ball down, son, and gather round when you're called. It was Don's first training session, and Harry was obviously keen to show the players that a new broom was at hand. Back in Rovers, it was said that Don had a new pet theory every season. And sure enough, he warmed to this year's subject straight away. Right, lads. New regime. You're going to train harder than you've ever trained before. But first, an important topic, about which I want to say a couple of words. Upper body strength. That's three words. What's he? Now, upper body strength comes into play far more in the modern game it was just like old times listening to Don rabbiting on. It was also as impossible as ever to take seriously a man who knew more about 042 locomotives, composite carriages and R&T pickering rolling stock than he did about football. I could see the other players were mentally filing Don under W for Wally. But everyone still went all out in the training, aware of the watchful eye of Harry Ellis. And the seven-a-side had an extra edge as players sought to impress the new manager. You're stuck in, lads. That's Come it. on, guys. First time, would you First it. time. Let's make them tackles count, then. Sloppy balls. Get it up to him. Billy Murray, no fighting about. Get that ball. Just like old times, all right. Harry screaming abuse at you for playing instead of hoofing it forward. It didn't argue well for my future, even though he played me in the following Saturday's match, which we won. And then it happened. Installment two of the good news, bad news sequence. Woodsy, if it's not the lovely Billy Murray, looking attractively windswept in a casual ensemble created by Marks and Spencers. Listen, I've great news. They want me in the Irish squad for the friendly against Belgium. Yeah? They've asked me to join them in Dublin the week after next. That's brilliant. I'm thrilled for you, mate. Put it there. Thanks, Woodsy. Yeah, this calls for a celebration. What can I get you? I think I'll save the champagne for tonight with Julie. I'll have a point now. And here, let's lose the run of ourselves. Dry roasted peanuts as well. Life in the fast lane, eh? Oh, listen, mate, I'm delighted for you. Delighted. But not half as delighted as I was. To celebrate, I had a great night on the town with my girlfriend, Julie. So I was feeling a bit fragile when early the next morning, the phone rang. Hello? Hello, Billy. It's ma'am. Oh, ma'am. What time is it? Ten to eight. I wanted to be sure to catch you. Is something wrong? I have a bit of sad news, Billy. And Peggy died yesterday. Oh, ma'am. I'm really sorry. I know, love. But it was a lovely death... 
God took her in her sleep. And as she said herself, she had a longer innings than most of us get. Right. The remains go to the church tomorrow and the funeral's on Thursday. OK, I'll try to get back for both. Good lad. I knew you'd want to. Actually, I tried to contact you last night. I was ringing up to about one. I had a date, Ma, so I was out late. A date? Are you back with Bernadette then? No, I have a new girlfriend now. Bernadette was a lovely girl. I had a great time for her. Well, we split up, Ma, so there's no point. And a very good family, very respectable. And her uncle was a Jesuit. Let's not forget that. No need to be so cutting, Billy. I was only saying. Look, I'm sorry, Ma. I know you liked Bernadette, but we split up and, well, Julie is nice too. Julie? My new girlfriend. And what might her background be, if I'm allowed to ask? It's too early in the morning, Ma. I'll tell you when I come home for the funeral. Back to Ireland for a funeral? I, d- I don't know, lad. I mean, you say she's only a great aunt. But she was always very good to our family. I'd really like to be there. I'm sorry for your trouble, of course, but it would mean missing two days training with an important match on Saturday. I'm fitter than I've ever been. Missing two days training won't affect me on Saturday. Well, maybe not, but, man, I don't want to give offence, lad, but a funeral in Ireland conjures up visions of drinking all night, keening the dead and such like. It's the funeral of my maiden aunt, not Finnegan's wake. All right, then, all right. I'll let you go, but no boozing, mind. I'm trusting you to be responsible. I will be. Fair enough. Now, you said there were a couple of things you wanted to talk about. Yeah, and the second one's great. I've been selected for the Irish squad. Wow. Congratulations, lad. You've been playing well lately. Bound to be noticed sooner or later. Thank you. I got a call yesterday afternoon. They want me to join the squad in Dublin the week after next for the friendly against Belgium. I'm sorry, son, but the answer is no. How do you mean? I mean, no. You can't go. Winning our last three matches puts us in contention for promotion. I'm going to need you here. But it's international selection. This is my chance. This is our chance. A chance for City to get into the first division. But... No buts, lad. If there's an off-season trip this summer, no problem. You can go on that. They mightn't pick me if I say no now. If they think you're good enough, they'll call you again. Right now, though, your club needs you more. They're pros. They'll understand that. I argued with Toss, but I realised that he wasn't in the kind of mood where I could persuade him. It was only a friendly, so I couldn't invoke the FIFA rule and demand my release. But while it might have been only a friendly to Harry Ellis, to me, it was my first chance to play for my country. I decided to try him again on my return. And meanwhile, I hoped that he was right. That if they thought I was good, they really would call me again. With passengers travelling on Aer Lingus flight EI269 to London, please proceed to gate 2. Final call for passengers on flight EI269 to London. Billy? Yoo-hoo, Billy! Ma, how are you? I'm fine, son. Oh, it's good to see you. It's good to see you too. You're looking a bit a bit drained. Are you eating sensibly? Yes, ma. I'm eating me cabbage, washing behind me ears and saying me night prayers. Oh, you may laugh, but a mother notices things and you're looking a bit... A bit gaunt, Billy. Well, like I said, it was a bit of a late night last night. Are we getting a taxi? Yes, down this way. Out late on a Tuesday night. I hope you're not losing the run of yourself. I'm not, Ma. I'll explain it all later. Don't mind me blathering, Billy. I'm just delighted to see you. I know. And it's nice to be home, Ma. It's nice to be home. And it was nice, despite the funeral, which went well. All our relations were down from Belfast, so it turned into a real family gathering. Everyone went back to my cousin's for a meal. And I had a quiet word with Ma in the living room. I'd held off telling her about being selected for the Irish squad. Celebratory news didn't seem right until after the funeral. But when I told her, she was delighted. Oh, Billy. Oh, Billy, your dad would have been so proud. I know, Ma. 
But like I say, there's still the problem of getting released. But it's playing for your country. Isn't there some rule? Only for competitive matches. He's probably doing it just because you're Irish. It doesn't work that way, ma. Doesn't it? Harry Ellis isn't interested in spiting me because we beat the Blackens' hands. It's purely business. Well, tell him it's not his business to ruin your chances. I'm going to have another word when I get back. You do that, son. You do that. So, what about this girl? Julie. You'll hate her. Her uncle isn't a Jesuit. Oh, seriously, Billy, what are her family like? Very respectable. Julie, though, is a drug addict with a Mohican haircut. What? What does it matter what her family are like? She's nice. And she's not really... Of course not. She's very nice. Her family are nice. They have a clothing company. Oh, their own company. <laughs> yeah, next best thing to an uncle being a priest. I suppose they're all Protestants. Actually, they're not. Are they Catholic? Next best thing. They're Jewish. Jewish? Don't look so crestfallen. Sure, Jesus was a Jew. And their brothers are city supporters. Don't be blasphemous, Billy. Look, they're Jewish, ma. But it's not a big deal to them. In England, most people don't care what religion you are. Well, it's easy not to care if you believe in nothing. The Bernsteins don't believe in nothing. They believe in whatever Jews believe in. It's no reason to be down on them. I'm not down on them. What they did to our saviour was years ago. If anything, I feel sorry for them. It was terrible the way they were treated in Fiddler on the Roof. Fiddler on the Roof? I saw it in the gaiety. The Russians treated the Jews just like the English treated the Irish tenant farmers. Ah, ma. Evictions and land grabbing. Ah, for goodness sake, ma. What? You're not going to start on about the famine and the Redcoats killing Father Murphy from old Kilcormick. Well, it happened. That's history, ma. Most English people are A1. So why are they stopping you from playing for your country? That's just business to Harry Ellis. I tried to reassure her that it wasn't an international plot, but she didn't buy it. As, unknown to me at the time... Don Price was about to find out. Spotted her at Crew Junction, Trevor. Beautiful locomotive. Had the original livery. Aye, they used it for the initial rolling stock. Well, that's the other line, Trevor. Can I call you back? Right, tra. Hello. Harry Ellis's office. Hello. May I speak to Mr Ellis, please? Uh, I can't hear you all that well. It's not a great line. I can hear you perfectly, and I want to speak to Mr Ellis. Mr Ellis? He's not here. Uh, Don Price, chief coach speaking. Can I help? This is Nora Murray, Billy Murray's mother, calling from Ireland. I think it's disgraceful the way you're treating Billy. He's doing the same training as the other lads. I'm talking about stopping him playing for his country. I suppose burning down half of Patrick Street wasn't enough for you. Hello? Hello, I'm sorry, the line's not great. Someone got burnt in the street. They certainly did when your lot were on the rampage. Our lot? City supporters? Black and tans. Not us, missus. Our strip is black and red. Don't play the innocent with me, me bucko. Billy's nationality means something to him. His great-grandfather was in a flying column with the West Cork Brigade. I didn't quite catch all of that. The, the, the line... Add the line, me granny. You just tell Mr Ellis that this isn't on. Enough's enough, and Billy's to be let play. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Woodsy. So you'd no idea she was going to phone? Of course not. Talk about embarrassing. At least it was only Don she got on to. Just as well. If herself and Harry had clashed, there'd have been skin and hair flying. So what exactly did Don tell Harry? <laughs> A really garbled story about my grandfather being in the fire brigade. That his name was Patrick and that he'd been burnt in a street fire. Although Don couldn't quite see how this was connected to my plane for Ireland. So how did their furor react? I apologised for my mother having rung and he accepted it fairly well. Especially when I told him I'd stopped her from ringing the papers in Ireland to make a story of me being denied my chance. Nice move, mate. I bet that's him thinking. I reckon. So how did you leave things? I pressed him to reconsider. Said I could train with the Irish squad and still fly back for our next game. And? He said he'd think about it and let me know. And when he got back to me, the answer was yes. Another victory for the West Cork Brigade. So I flew to Dublin on the Sunday to join the squad. Feeling like a kid let loose in his sweet shop. 
The manager told me straight out that it was unlikely that he'd play me in the friendly, but that he wanted to use the few days to introduce me to the Ireland setup and to get me used to training with the other lads. That was okay with me. I hadn't expected a cap the first time out, and the thrill of sitting in the dugout in an Ireland tracksuit was more than enough. Ma came to the match, and for good measure, we beat Belgium 1 0. We had a great sing song, and then it was back to reality on the early morning flight. Right, lads. Well played. You've done me proud today. Great result. Now then, anyone tell me what I particularly liked? The look in their manager's face at the final whistle. Always, <laughs> 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 always a joker, Woodsy. No, what I liked was the way you put the boot in after we went ahead. No easing off. When they were on the ropes, you went for the jugular. Genuine tactical awareness. We're going up for promotion now, so there'll be no soft matches. You'll have to give your everything in these games. Because if you get this close and you don't go up, you'll be sick as a parrot, each and every one of you. But I know you're going to play like today with 110% commitment. Engine stoke, lads. Full steam ahead. Well done again. Billy, Billy Mary, where in your ear? When he drew me away to the far corner of the dressing room, I knew somehow that the bad news had arrived. First off, well played. You're the stormer today. Thanks, boss. You're making it happen in midfield. This is why I'm going to need you. But Ireland have a match on Saturday week. Look, I released you for the friendly against Belgium. It's time the matches clash. But it's a full competitive international. I know, lad. And I'm sorry, but I can't let you go. I have to go. It's my country. And this is your club. And this time your club needs you a damn sight more than your country, right? I'm sorry, Mr Ellis, but I have to demand my release under the FIFA rule. Stuff the FIFA rule. FIFA don't pay your wages. This club does. Explain to the Irish manager about your hamstring injury. I don't have a hamstring injury. You do now, lad. Right? You can't make me do that. Get real, son. You're not going to be suddenly spotted by Real Madrid just because you're in an Irish shirt. That's not why I want to play. You'd be lucky even to get on the subs bench. I don't like having to hit you with these home truths, son, but the reality is you're a decent jobbing professional. And because you're from a small country, you have a chance of a place in their team. But keep it in proportion. Club like ours is your natural habitat. That's where you'll always earn your brass, so keep your feet on the ground. Now, I'll release you for Ireland when I can in the future. But this time round... I need your cooperation, okay? I'm sorry, but it's not okay. Don't make an enemy of me, son. There's every chance City will be in the first division next season. If you want to be part of that, as distinct from playing with the reserves in Barnsley or Bolton, you won't cross me. Now, I'll give you a while to consider what I've said. Think carefully, son. Think very, very carefully. Maybe if I'd had more moral courage, I'd just have said I'm playing for my country and that's it. Instead, I did think it over carefully. And my instincts were that no cigar-smoking, cliché-spouting bully was going to stop me playing for Ireland. So I showed up at Lansdowne Road. There'd been a spate of injuries coming up to the game, so that gained me a place on the bench. And then, with 15 minutes to go, it happened. The manager decided to give me a chance, and suddenly I was on the pitch and playing for Ireland. And young Billy Murray gets a warm welcome as he comes on to win his first cap for Ireland. It was one all at that stage. And being an attacking midfielder, I'd been sent on to push for a home win. To be honest, though, I struggled with the pace of the play. 
Eventually, I started to get into her a bit more. But with five minutes left, it was beginning to look like being a one-all draw. For the last few minutes, the crowd really got behind us. And we went at it, hammer and tongs, finally forcing a corner. And all the Irish big men are up in the box. The corner's quickly taken. The ball curls in viciously. The keeper punches clear. The ball loops up in the air. The fullback gets his head to it. It skews across the box. Oh, Murray's pushed as he goes to head it. The ball drops and Murray launches himself as he falls. Murray tries to scissor kick. Oh, it's in! It's in! Billy Murray scored! Billy Murray has scored a spectacular goal on his debut for Ireland. The crowd goes wild. And Murray lies on the ground under a mound of celebrating Irish players and the managers off his bench. A huge grin on his face as his gamble to play young Murray pays off. And Billy Murray rises victorious. Now there's uh, something wrong. Uh, Murray can't seem to stand. Oh dear, Billy Murray's on the ground. It looks like Billy Murray injured himself making that spectacular scissors kick. And that really is unfortunate. It was unfortunate, all right. As I was being carried off the pitch with applause ringing in my ears, I thought how Harry had wanted me to cry off with a hamstring injury. And that's exactly what I'd got going for my goal. Funny old game, to use Harry's cliche. Funny old season too. Leaving Bernadette and then meeting Julie. Getting called up for the Irish squad, but making an enemy of Harry. And now, to finish it off, I'd done my hamstring. But it was cushioned by the thought of having got a place on the Irish team. Whereas Harry Ellis had no such consolation. And while there was no knowing what the future held, for now, notwithstanding my hamstring, I felt, well, let's finish with two of Harry's favourites. I felt over the moon. Unlike Harry, who, when he heard of my injury, would be, you guessed it, sick as a parrot. Midfielder was written and produced by Brian Gallagher. The part of Billy was played by Stephen Jones. Older Billy, Pat Nolan. Commentator, Al McKenna. Mother, Marion O'Dwyer. Mrs Knightley, Sharon Hogan. Woodsy, Rory Hedging. Harry, Mark O'Regan. And Don, Michael Ford. Sound engineering was by Ross and Dave O'Connor. This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licensing fee.